0: we could do a cold open yeah we could do a cold open hey,
1: yeah so what are we going to
0: talk about i mean that's like, the point of a cold like? open is that you jump right into the conversation yeah, kind of you're listening to advancing education the alberta student podcast where we talk about student issues news we conduct interviews we do all sorts of other kinds of things like that my name is emmanuel barker and i'll be your host stay tuned for the rest of the episode Welcome back to another episode of Advancing Education. My name is Emmanuel Barker, and as always, I'm your host. This week's topic, Open Educational Resources, or OERs as they are known in the biz. OERs are basically a free textbook, but not really. It's a Creative Commons copyright license that allows a creator to produce a material that is free for use, and in some cases, even free to be adapted into a new form. Now, the Creative Commons license allows for materials such as like videos, pamphlets, booklets, textbooks, any kind of material to be used without cost and that is something that would be a game changer for students in Alberta. Now I wanted to also show, I didn't want to just talk about OERs, I wanted to show how OERs can have an impact on a student's life no matter what kind of institution they're going to. So we brought together a group of three student leaders, one from a polytech, one from a university and one from a college, to come and speak with us about what the kind of impact OERs have had on their lives. I want to make sure that everybody has a chance to enjoy this discussion, but I do have a couple of housekeeping tips before then. First thing is, this interview took place at our last Advocacy Week event in October. Now, that seems like a long time ago, and it is, but unfortunately, Rona was still a big issue. So there are going to be two things you notice. The first one is, you're going to hear some laughter from the other room, and that's because we had four or five other students who were sitting in very socially distanced corners of the office, wearing their masks the whole time, doing Zoom videos with different stakeholders while I was in the room with our three student leaders. In my studio, I should say, recording this particular podcast discussion. Now, on that topic specifically, we had the three students sitting in different corners of the office with their own little microphones, but they were still wearing masks. So you're going to hear a little bit of fuzziness, a little bit of muffledness coming through part of the interview. That said, I hope that you enjoyed the discussion with our student leaders here on how open educational resources have an impact on every student's life. It, to the tune of thousands of dollars over the course of their education. So if that interests you, I hope you stay for the rest of the discussion, and I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, Brittany, go ahead. About OER. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: They're, they're great.
0: Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's talk about what we talked about before. I want to hear about that personal experience. Like the student, like we've been talking about open educational resources for a, a million years. Totally. And honestly, it's pretty simple to explain what they are. Like it's an open copyright license. It yeah. just means that whoever uses it allows it to be, whoever made it allows it to be used. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's basically the understanding. Whereas a closed copyright license would be something where a person creates it, a book, a document, but then only makes it available for purchase. Yeah. And so that's not what we want, right? Because we don't want some kind of public or private company making money mm-hmm. by requiring their private product to be an essential resource to a public institution like education.
2: Especially at an inflated price. At an mm-hmm.
0: enormously inflated price. Like, how much does a book cost? You know? And I mean, I get that you're not buying just the book. You're paying for the research that went into it. But if these are professors and instructors who have already been teaching, developing their own resources... You know, they have an expertise, they're subject matter experts. Then let's work to create some kind of system of grants mm-hmm. where people are given the opportunity, you know, their time is fairly compensated for the creation of resources that are then available publicly to the province of Alberta and the students therein, right?
2: Well, a lot of research has been publicly funded. You know, medical some med- most medical re- uh, research done through um, institutions or... Um, a, a, any, any type of publicly funded research, if you use that research to write a textbook that you have privatized and are making money off of, and, and even for first-generation uh, textbooks, you know, perhaps you are paying for that person's time, money, effort, resources that got, went into it, but what about the second and third-gen where they just yeah. moved a couple periods around and added a <laughs> few sentences, and then you're still having to buy it at the same price when nothing has changed. Oh,
0: my God. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> like, I want to yep. come back to the to the whole, like, discussion of OERs. And I know we will because that's what the whole purpose of this podcast is. But, like, good Lord, changing <laughs> a chapter's orientation in the book, like, uh, adding a little so bit of punctuation, getting new graphic design on a textbook drives me mm. crazy. Because then you have to pay for the whole new book, mm-hmm. in some cases, 200 $300. Like, well, mm-hmm.
1: and so many instructors refuse to use the older copies of the book or allow you to use them. And it's just ridiculous because you're not able to sell off your textbooks once you're finished as a student because, oh, now it's obsolete and you can never recoup that cost.
0: Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. No, yeah, no. Kills me. Okay. Uh, so, Brittany, um, we've, we've done the sort of cold open. We've had a little bit of like heated discussion. Talk for a second about who you are and where your experience with students has taken you. And then let's talk kind of about your personal experience with open educational resources. Okay. So, who you are, where your work with students has taken you, and then let's get back to open educational resources. Just like, yeah.
2: hi, my name is?
0: you if you want to.
2: Um, How
0: do you introduce yourself to normal people? <laughs> it's okay, you don't have to panic. You don't have to panic. <laughs> this is the
2: worst, this is the most stressful part of anything. Do you want me confusing. to
0: do it? I've been doing it all week.
2: That's no, okay. So, I'm just going to say, um, I'm Brittany Lawson. I'm the president for the Students Association of Red Deer College. Um, I am a self-identified, lifelong learner. Um, I've been in school, uh, working towards my, uh, first my Bachelor of Education degree. Uh, I have a diploma. And then, uh, I'm getting close in my third year of my Bachelor of Business Administration in, uh, general management with a uh, f- minor in Finance and Economics. So I have a bit of experience in the post-secondary system. Um, some as a student leader, a lot as as, um, as just a student that you know I went to school out of high school and and started my post secondary secondary journey then.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's really good. That's a that's a comprehensive sort of talk about your education. Oh, we're, we're, like talk about your student leadership a little bit. Like talk about being the president. Oh, what's what's it like being at SARDC?
2: Um. Well, I think my experience as being a student, um, leader. I, I started off kind of slowly. I got involved in, at the student group level, um, moved up to, sh- uh, running for student council, then became vice president community wellness, and then uh, two-term president. Um, my, I think my experience at a smaller institution, I guess Red Deer College is, I would say, maybe a, a mid-size institution in, uh, the province of Alberta. We have about 7,500 to 8,000 students, um, wide range of programming from trades um and apprenticeship programming to uh, a lot of university transfer programming to applied degrees um yeah so i think it's it's unique in the sense that i get to be on the ground a lot i get to well pre-covid i got to engage a lot with students um we have a small office so I do a lot of the, you know, running around, hosting events, really getting to meet my students. Um, but on the other side, I get to do that some of that high-level, um, working directly with my institution, senior management, and, and you know, really advocating for for what our students need at Red Deer College.
0: Yeah. So like the thing that kind of occurs to me whenever I think about SARDC is that Red Deer College is sort of experiencing basically everything that we're worried we advocate about through ASEC right like yeah OERs transfer collabs, like everything that we talk about the mental health funding mm-hmm. it all it all it has a huge impact at RDC and and it's a it's a good example I think and it's kind of a unique situation because this this year you're ASEC's chair yeah and so you have very close personal sort of experience with student leadership and basically every one of our priority points uh, that we bring forward. And so you, you have that personal experience that you can share with all of our stakeholders. So like getting back to kind of the point of the podcast, having heard about what your background is when it comes to student leadership and the kinds of meetings that we've had before and the kind of advocacy work that you've done and personal advocacy with individual students, notwithstanding, right? what are your experiences as first let's call it first of all as a student with open educational resources and then and then we'll sort of build on for there
2: yeah so I've definitely had um, a mix um, you know open educational resources are a way to get to my goal which is free textbooks or um, not ha- or students not having to incur the cost of any textbook um, so I've had classes where um, Instructors do open sources on YouTube, and all the information that I need for uh, class is, is videos that I'm able to watch, rewatch, take notes from, um, and use that as, as my, my source for class. I've also had instructors do a more personalized, um, specific uh, workbook for the class. So that's not necessarily open sourced, like an open educational resources, but it's the result that I'm looking for. I didn't have to buy it. Yeah, uh, And they don't,
0: they don't have to be like, they don't have to be open sourced. Like it could be Mm -hmm. just one person writes it and then allows it to be produced, uh, or used through an open copyright license. That's really all we're looking for, you know? And Mm -hmm. you know, like, I feel so lucky by being, uh, in the, in the position that I am, that I get to sort of, inform the research that I do for ASEC with the relationships that I end up or like the information that I get from all the different student leaders from around, around the province. You know, we have a, we have a couple more in the room we're going to get to here. I'm excited for that. But as the, as the advocacy guy, you know, like it's invaluable for me to be able to bring all of that information, uh, Mm -hmm. to the forefront, but it's just like I just produced the document like you guys do it first of all you decide it you decide it on the um, in the goal-setting conference and beyond that you're the ones doing the advocacy meetings like for anybody like this isn't going to be our first podcast release this is part of like our information session kind of podcast where we're talking about the topics of each of our major priority points in a, in a way that's sort of more like, um, I don't know, like consumable or like, or like easily just background information. If you don't know what OERs are, or like what's an experience that someone else has had with an OER, like this would be a good podcast to listen to if you just want to get like that kind of background, you know, but we take this information to all different levels, you know, and that's what informs me when I'm taking this topic to government or I'm taking it to, you know, different levels of government. Eventually, we're going to take it federal. You know, like, these are all really important points, but it's your experiences that are so important, I think.
2: Well, and our experiences aren't unique, right? Right. There are a lot of students' experiences, and I would say a a good majority of students have, um, you know, experienced okay, I paid my tuition. I'm ready for my first day of school, um, post-secondary. And then they go to class and they find out that, oh, you just paid $500 for this course? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, like, also a $300 textbook attached yeah. to it. Yeah, the Surprise! difference between five
0: and $800 yeah. is not is not small.
2: Yeah, no. you know?
0: So, so, but the issue of OERs is not limited to colleges. I, I, like, we've never said that it was, but as just kind of, like, an example... Of how broadly reaching the issue of this open copyright license in its, like, artistic simplicity, you know, would be turning to to someone from like one of the two big polytechs that we mm-hmm. have in our in our in our province, you know, to see where o- open educational resources kind of fit in in the context of one of those bigger trade schools. So, uh, Ryan, I'm going to turn to you. Why don't you um, kind of do what Brittany did? Just give like a background of like where you're coming from first, and then we're gonna jump into kind of like maybe some of the personal experiences that you've had or some that you've heard from students from safe, but like that, that trades essential piece is, is what we really need to to hear about. Cause like, I I don't think it's, it's widely considered across the province that open educational resources would apply to somebody taking, taking a personal trade, like a, like a, like a technical trade, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think that that's even on people's minds. So why don't you touch on that? Like, a little bit
3: about yourself first, and then we can jump into why it's a big deal at a trade school. Sure. Um, so my name is Ryan Morstad. I'm the president of the State Student Association. This is also my second term, similar to Brittany. Second term as president. Um, I got involved with the State Student Association four years ago as a director on our board of directors. And honestly, the only reason I decided to get involved was because there wasn't enough people running for the positions. So I thought it would be cool to get the experience to do it. And then I realized how impactful it was um, and how much fun I was having with it and how many awesome people I met with it. And I just decided to keep going and jump to further levels. One of my favorite things with this whole experience is in the first year, the Vice President Student Life of the State Student Association asked me if I would ever run for a position in council. So in the positions that work more consistently and I said no definitely not um and now here I am <laughs> would you ever consider taking on more responsibility Ryan,
0: two years ago, absolutely not, absolutely not. Flash forward to Ryan today, second-term president, currently in advocacy week on yeah. the board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> on his
2: institution's board of directors, board of governors, I guess. Yeah,
3: you're on the beach. Not what I would have expected. <laughs> that's at all. so funny. But yeah, um, let's Don't talk. Don't your toe
2: in, Just jump into the
3: deep. Apparently, yeah. that's that's what what happened. Um, but it's been great, and I love it. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Sate a little bit. So Sate's. Cool, State's big. State has a ton of different students and a ton of different programs that all use open educational resources to a different degree. Um, with trade students, I think there is a huge opportunity to have more access to open educational resources, but I'm pretty sure all of the uh, materials that they use for all of the trades courses are very standardized right now. Um, and I think they're available through... Uh, what's it, AIT? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, But uh, honestly, I don't know uh, probably enough about that to have like a really good opinion other than I think that they would be a really good idea. But in my experience with, for example, like hospitality and tourism or uh, business or um, any of the other kind of more book learning programs, the opportunity to use OERs is like massive, just huge. And I've used oers in my classes but not in the way that you would think not in the way where it's my teachers telling me about these great oers and like encouraging you to use them i've used oers in the way of i don't understand this i don't think my teacher's been able to explain this in a way that works for me and so i seek out oers on the internet like on youtube or khan academy or or math websites you know and that's honestly, like, how I've been able to be successful in school is through those resources that just anyone can access.
0: Oh, man, there's a huge number of students uh, in Alberta and Canada and I'm sure around the world that can thank or, like, owe their grades to Khan Academy or some other thing. And there are a number <laughs> of, like, paid, um, paid resources that you can access on the internet. But YouTube, man, oh, yeah. Lord. Like, so just much. being able to access... Some kind of demonstration or not even the resource itself but just like an explanation of what the textbook is even talking about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like these traditional books are not user-friendly by standard you know yeah. mm-hmm. y- you sometimes have to access those additional resources I, you know that's a great point and like why don't you talk a little bit more about like the the worksheets or those like those little pieces that that some of the instructors produce uh because that's the basic format
3: of what we're talking about just in like a smaller example right? yeah For sure. So uh, I'm in finance. That was my program in school. I graduated in April this year. So stoked about that. But um, a lot of my instructors would create worksheets. So one or two page worksheets that have questions on them. And then they'd have like a solution page or they'd walk through the answers. And that's great because it means you don't have to buy a textbook. And uh, I, someone who learns through more of a hands-on style, really learned well through those worksheets, um, and they save me a lot of money. Well, it's because the the instructor is
0: teaching you off of something that they produced. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's no one better to provide you information on the resources than the person who compiled them. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and like, then they can explain them so well because they made them, whereas in the textbook model, they sometimes are confused by the wording or they don't know exactly where to tell you to, to look or, you know, the textbooks has... Concepts that maybe they don't understand in chapters that you're not specifically referencing. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, or
2: they skip Mm -hmm. around so much that by the end of the term everyone's confused at what chapter you're on. Mm
3: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Textbooks typically too just have an overwhelming amount of information and you don't need all of that information for each and every course. So it becomes like too much for a lot of students, I think. Yeah, or well, yeah,
0: you have like whether we like it or not, students sometimes don't buy textbooks. Oh. They sometimes buy the older textbook. They buy a used version of an older, yep. like, you know, yeah. uh, edition of the same textbook. Or they're downloading it from some other bootleg PDF or they're doing some <laughs> other version. And so, like, it's almost more trouble for the instructors. It certainly is more trouble for the students to be able to compensate that for that. But it's almost more trouble for the instructors to have to wade through the innumerable... Money-saving options that students find themselves having to take mm-hmm. in order to, you know, successfully graduate from their class or develop some kind of like understanding of the reading material. Like it's uncomfortable, but yeah, necessary.
2: I th- think the worst thing is, and I've done this. I don't recommend it to any any students out there who's li- who are listening. <laughs> but I've challenged myself to go. There are some classes, and it doesn't work for every class, but there are some classes where there's a required textbook. And uh, as someone who, who's been in post-secondary for a little while, um, I'll challenge myself to see how long I can go without buying the textbook. <laughs> and if I can go the first month without ever cracking needing to crack the textbook, then I'm pretty confident I can finish the term without it. And then I look around at all my other classmates who spent mm-hmm. $200 on this book, that we have not opened once. Still, yep.
0: still in the sealed plastic still packaging. Still in
2: yep. the sealed plastic. And you're just gutted because I didn't buy it because I was, you know, challenging myself to see if I could. And it's <laughs> horrible when you can get away with that because that's then there. it shouldn't be a required text mm-hmm. if it's not required.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. It just
1: <laughs> further proves that those kind of resources are just not relevant anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, to a great extent, I think that's true. Like, when I was going to university... Well, okay, here's the thing. When I went to SIAS, um, which is like the Saskatchewan big polytechnic, which is now called SAS Poly- Polytechnic, they you paid for your course, you paid your tuition, and they hand you a plastic wrap collection of resources per unit that hmm. your instructor has put together. Wow. Straight up, it's the instructor who writes it. Yeah. You have a reference book, which isn't always, but in my case, was also written by the professor that was teaching my program (laughs) and and that's just what you get it's you get a handshake you know like you pay your tuition and then you get all your resources and everything's over for the tuition that you paid for it which is great going into university i got a couple of big pieces of information or advice from friends of mine the first one was and you know grain of salt if you feel like you're gonna fail a class just drop it
2: oh totally and the other one
0: was don't buy the book until you know you need it,
2: exactly yeah. because yeah. they're
0: just too expensive to be yeah. spending a thousand dollars a semester in some programs on books that you never take out of the cellophane. Yeah. Like so, um, to just like round out here and show how OERs can be applicable to even more kinds of institutions. We've covered RDC, which is a comprehensive community college, and then St. Polytech. Um, let's let's sort of just like talk about um, your experience, Chloe, and you know, in, in whatever order you want to talk about like a personal experience or, or someone, one that you've heard about OERs and then just talk like a little bit about yourself and how you got into doing this kind of thing.
1: Sure. Um, yeah. So to start it off with the OER stuff, I mean, I think that Arts does a pretty decent job of providing us with primarily OERs in terms of all of our, um, class required materials yeah and our instructors are really diligent about finding and sourcing material and just posting pdfs for us Mm -hmm. i really there was one textbook i had to buy and it was for first year art history and it was the most useless textbook i have ever purchased (laughs) there was so much just uh, i mean we can go on and on about the fact that there's pretty much no mention of any female artists in there at all oof. and oof. our Pink instructors oof. were having to take you know time to put together their own list of materials and all of their own sources just to be able to teach us a well-rounded version of art history, mm-hmm. which is kind of ridiculous. It's yes. not
2: useless. It's <laughs> it's going to add to your $1,000 TV stand, yeah. you know, of the textbook stacked on the floor oh, propping yeah. up your your te- Yeah, that not useless. It's, it's reference
0: material. It's really,
1: really great for making sure my table doesn't wobble. <laughs> <laughs> God. But yeah, I mean, right after I did that and had to use that textbook, which we hardly used it. There was maybe two, three sections in it. And I found a lot more useful information by actually just doing research myself and looking at all the open educational resources that we have access to through our bookstore online. Like it's, there's just a plethora of resources. I can't understand why they would still require students to buy that textbook. And yeah, right after I had to buy it, they came out with a brand new edition, so (laughs) bye-bye, money. No more of that. Uh, Yes, that was definitely a very frustrating experience, but again, I know it's not a unique one. I know that all of our students are facing those similar kind of issues. So I guess a little bit about myself. Um, I'm also a lifelong learner. I have been in art school for seven years now, (laughs) but I've been in student politics for the past two, and I kind of just fell into it as well. Um, I mean, I I applied because I needed a job and the people that worked in the office for the Student Association, I had worked for them for some other things and they really thought I would be great for the job. So they kind of recruited me and I had like two days to get all of the materials I needed to run for the position. Oh God, I did that.
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> I yeah. did that for one of my elections too.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it was a little, it was a little rushed, a little hectic, and we went most of our first year without a president.
0: Yeah, I remember that.
1: And had to do a by-election and. Lordy. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's difficult trying to get students to really engage with the essay because I think a lot of the time they just have no idea what we do, and it, it's it's difficult to try and make them understand what we do and try and promote all the things that we do. Cause a lot of it just gets students just assume that all these wonderful things and perks that they're getting are coming from the university instead of coming from the student association. So yeah. it's really difficult sometimes to make that distinction in their minds.
0: You hear about that a lot of the time. And, and when I was a student leader, I, um, I had that same experience because our student union building was basically the main entrance to the university. You know, so yeah. you, you walked in and we had a huge help desk and it was called the help desk, the USSU help desk. And everyone was like, so how do I register for classes? We're like, yep. yeah, it's, um, it's, sorry, dude, like
1: <laughs> wrong place. <laughs> do you want to,
0: do you want a universal bus pass that we negotiated for 10 years to get for you? Cause you could come yeah. to us there or, you know, you could go to the administrative building to do your administrative task. And, and it's like, there is a certain amount of frustration in the very easier said than done kind of. Situation when it comes to student leadership, because explaining that your purpose there is to serve people, um, to get the best deal for students, to bring student issues to the forefront of all levels of government—the level of administration of your organization, um, of your school—like, but but the the harder part is that there's a huge level of bureaucracy in each of those tasks not to mention a gigantic level of bureaucracy within your own organization to even and that's kind of goes back to what you were saying about having to hustle to get all the paperwork together to apply Mm -hmm. like by elections elections bylaw review governance review policy development like it all takes time for it to be legitimate Mm -hmm. But that makes it harder and harder and harder to make things work, which is part of the reason why we keep advocating for these simple solutions to things like we jump right to solutions. We do a ton of research. We develop our asks and then we jump right into the solutions. We're not just trying to provide people with a complaint and then Mm -hmm. and then a direction that they should go to find the answer. What no. we do is we do our research and then we come through with options. And the open educational resources are one of those options that just already exist. Were you going to say something?
1: Um, I mean, nothing that you haven't already said.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, but you are a student leader right now. This is your podcast. That's what we're here to talk about. Get into it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just, it is a really difficult thing trying to get student engagement within the essay. And I mean, I know that this is not, an issue that's exclusive to our university but it's it's definitely a little bit trickier to try and engage art students because student politics is not something that's relevant to their degree necessarily so trying to get people actively engaged in you know policy and finance and advocating on a political level to government it it can be really challenging to find the right kind of people that are passionate about those things just because it's not it's not necessarily relevant to their degree and what they might want to do for the future. Yeah. But I think what students need to understand is that by doing these kind of roles, you're gaining so much more experience than your degree is going to offer you in terms of making those kind of relationships outside of school, figuring out those types of job skills that employers are going to be looking for and understanding how to have those kind of interpersonal and professional relationships.
0: Yeah. And you, you make a, a really good point. Um, that it is hard to engage people, and I and I think it might also be particularly hard to engage people at your institution on a topic like OERs because, by and large, your your materials are already free, mm-hmm. and it, it's hopefully it's something that will get um, a, like more engagement on with students. But regardless of that, it is definitely one of our select priorities and something we keep taking forward. Mm-hmm. So I want to thank you guys for talking uh, today on our inaugural recording. Not inaugural release, like I said, this is going to be part of a, a different sort of like grouping of podcast episodes. That's about like easily consumable personal experiences regarding our priorities, you know, but talking about OERs is so important because it like any, oh my God, acronyms kill me. Acronyms kill me. And, and the students, even the stakeholders, the government by and large don't understand when we just throw an acronym out there, what we're talking about. You know, I think that this kind totally. of personalization of the issues is Really, really important. Um, so, do do you guys have anything you want to throw in about OERs or or what your experience this week? This for anybody. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't know. We're getting going to release later. This is a this is being recorded in my side office of the ASEC office, the studio as we call it, in the absolute middle of the weirdest and most unique advocacy week that we've had to throw because of. The pandemic has really limited our, our our access to in-person meetings. It's just been mm-hmm. nonstop computer screens from from morning till night. So do you guys have anything you want to throw down on that? Uh, or should we sort of just say our goodbyes and jump into the roundtable, which is starting in about five minutes?
1: Um, I mean, I'd just like to give you some accolades because I think you've done an amazing job in organizing all of the issues that we've been having in terms of scheduling meetings and trying to (laughs) have last minute in-person meetings or rescheduling those meetings. It's a really challenging time right now to try and engage with government, but I'm, I'm really pleased with the current results and I think that we've had some really great meetings and I think we're going to go into some really great meetings right now.
0: Well, thank you. Uh, you know, it it has been a little bit difficult, but we're kind of lucky with this administration. It's been so open to consultation. It's really, they they really look forward to to having these kinds of consultation meetings, especially the one with uh, the associate minister for mental health and addictions last night. was a great example of how engaged they this this administration is with us. Typically, um, you know, we have a huge roundtable coming up with the minister from advanced education, uh, who is always open to meet with us. So, I appreciate I appreciate your um your accolades D- very much so but but it's like i get to work with a great student team and i get to r- work with a very open uh government uh, regarding consultation meetings. so so i think i'm i'm a little bit lucky in that sense <laughs> i appreciate it nonetheless <laughs> it's not it's not that we aren't tired it's just that it's not as an impossible task as it might seem mm-hmm. uh Brittany, do you have any closing words anything you want to throw down madam chair
2: The key um, for me with with open educational resources will be um, the incentivizing of our institutions to ensure that they're integrated into um, courses, um, as well as that bu- essential buy-in from instructors. Um, to redesign their courses, to to look for appropriate open educational resources, um, to reimagine post-secondary education. I think COVID-19 has really taught us that um, what has always been done doesn't necessarily have to keep being done. Mm-hmm. There's lots of room for innovation. There's, um, and, and, you know, new things coming into post-secondary. Like, there's just so... I love talking about the future of post-secondary. That should be our next <laughs>
0: podcast. Oh, I'll, I'll podcast you whenever you want.
2: Because um, I think I see uh, open educational resources um, being a crucial part of the future of post-secondary and, um, yeah, and what it means moving forward. So I think it's good we keep talking about it because um, I'm not tired about it. No, yeah, I'm,
1: but... nope. uh, I'm not talk tired of all it all day about
0: this. Yeah. <laughs> You'd leave it to our most experienced student leader to uh, to throw down a um, uh, you know like a an opening for future research the modern Alberta education system <laughs> in involving open educational resources tying everything together with that which may yet be <laughs> for decades Yeah. To come. I
2: I'm retiring <laughs> after this term, so I'm like guys there's lots of work to do, you know, <laughs> Start making more work for the the next generation of student leaders. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you wouldn't be a student leader if you didn't leave a pile of stuff. <laughs> <and cats around. laughs> just an
2: open-ended, the world is your oyster. <laughs>
0: you, better, you better leave quite a, quite a transition document. For yeah. which, whichever poor I'm soul I'm just going to leave a blank shoes. page.
2: I'm just going to say, good luck. That's it. Blank page with good luck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's a scene from The Wire where they're explaining how one mayor is... Uh, giving advice to the new mayor of the city of Baltimore. And he's like, here you go. You have two envelopes. <laughs> the first one um, reads, blame it on the last guy. And then the second envelope says, write two, env- write two letters. Because <laughs> it's like you only have one chance to to walk away from everything or to blame it on anything. Otherwise, totally. it's completely on you.
3: <laughs> you know. Totally. So your
0: transition document's got to be something along those lines of just like... <laughs> you got one shot <laughs> make, <Yeah. laughs> make it up <laughs> totally so ryan uh mr mr president do you have any closing comments do you have anything you want to throw down for oers or are you just just straight vibes right now or are we going to head right into the roundtable? i
3: i'm straight vibes and one last comment okay both both, <laughs> both interesting um I think what Brittany was saying is really cool about having institution buy-in. And I think the piece that should make instructors and institutions buy-in is that OERs make students stay in school. Mm -hmm. And they make students stay in school because when people don't buy a textbook, they get bad grades. When they do buy a textbook, they have no money. Both of these reasons cause people to drop out of school. OERs cause people to stay in school. And that's really the main selling point of this whole thing. And I think that can't be understated.
2: I like it. OER is equal graduation. <laughs> OER is equal
3: graduation and successful students. Yeah, remember uh, to
1: hashtag that. OER is equal education. <laughs> OER
3: is equal education. Yeah. Well, that, I don't, that, that's not for me.
0: I can't think of a better place to end it than if you want to have a future in advanced education, you know. Sign up for a class of an OER. That's, yeah. a, that's a great endorsement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There we go. Okay. Well, thank all of you so much uh, for being a part of our inaugural recording, as I mentioned, um, and for masking up during the studio time so that none of us get hashtag Rona. Uh, <laughs> in, 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 with that with that final thought, um, I want to you know sort of just thank you again, and then uh, we'll sign off. Uh, so with no further ado, enjoy your roundtable.
1: Thanks. Thank you.
0: All right. Take care, guys. with so the end of our discussion comes the end of our episode as always keep in mind that this podcast is for you so if you're a student in alberta and you have something you want to say feel free to reach out to me at advocacy at albertastudents.ca or you can go to our website to learn more about open educational resources or all the other sorts of other kinds of things that asec is up to at any given time that website is albertastudents.ca and we'd be happy to have you reach out i hope you enjoyed the episode take care until the next one okay Brittany, go ahead about OER <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> they're, they're great yeah